good night's sleep that was. I slept really sound. Now, just a little relaxed time. Oh, somebody started the fireplace. Oh, that looks so nice. Sunday morning, nothing like it. I can just sit down here, read my newspaper while the children play quietly. Children. We've got to have some children. Children. Any children here? Children, come up here. Kids, children, wee ones, younger children, come on up here. I have something more important than a newspaper to read to you. Come up right up here and find a place to sit right here on these beautiful little rugs we have set out for you. Isn't that great? Come on up. Don't be bashful. Oh, there you go. That's great. Did you guys have a good Christmas morning? How many of you already opened presents? How many of you have to wait to get home from church? Oh. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll try and make this short for you. I want to read you a story about how Jesus was born. But this is a little bit different. It, it comes from the Bible, but it's putting all of the different parts together in one story. So it's a little bit different than, than maybe what you've read before. Joseph was excited. He was engaged to be married. In just a few weeks, he would be married to Mary. And what a wonderful girl she was. He would be a husband. He would have the responsibility of a wife. And someday, God willing, they would have children. He was ready to marry Mary. Mary was not so sure. Uh, true, uh, she wanted to be married, and, and Joseph was a good man, but she was so young. She wasn't sure she was ready to be a wife and, and take the responsibility of a household. And then there would be children, God willing. She wasn't sure she was ready to be a mother. One morning, she was thinking about these things when suddenly an angel stood in front of her. Mary, the angel said, you are a very special young lady. God has chosen you to have a baby, and the baby will be God's very own son. God will be the father. Mary bowed before the angel and said, If God will help me, I am ready. Now, Joseph had to be told the news. He was shocked and surprised to learn that Mary was pregnant. It was hard for him to believe she was pregnant with God's son. That, that part of the story was just too much to imagine. He really did love Mary, and so he decided to break their engagement quietly so that she wouldn't be disgraced. But that night, an angel appeared to him. Well, it was in a dream, but it was an angel with a message especially for him. 
the angel told him to go ahead and marry Mary. The baby she was going to have was indeed God's son. And she should, uh, he should be given the name Jesus because he was to be the savior of the whole world. And so Joseph and Mary were married. But before they could settle into family life, they were ordered to go to Bethlehem. The king wanted to tax everybody. So each family had to go to the husband's original hometown to be counted and taxed. By this time, Mary was almost ready to give birth, but they had no choice. They had to go. Slowly and carefully, Joseph and Mary walked to Bethlehem. It took a long time to get there, and it was almost night when they arrived. The town was crowded with people, and the hotels and the motels were all full. Joseph looked and looked for a room or a quiet corner or some private place where Mary could have her baby. Finally, one kind man told them that they could sleep in the shed where he kept his animals. It wasn't very tidy, but there was some clean straw. So they moved the animals to the back and made a bed for Mary. And that night, baby Jesus was born. They wrapped him in pieces of cloth and they laid him in a crib where the animals were fed. Now, right after this, a strange thing happened. As if all of that wasn't strange enough. There were shepherds watching their sheep out on the hills nearby. As some slept and some kept watch for wolves and robbers, an angel appeared to them. They were terrified, but the angel said, Don't be afraid, because I bring you good news. God's son has been born as a baby in Bethlehem. He is to be the savior of the entire world, and if you want to see him, you'll find him wrapped warmly and lying in a feeding crib. Then a whole choir of angels joined in singing glory to God and peace to everyone. Well, when the angels went away, the shepherds got up and they hurried to Bethlehem. They just trusted that their sheep would be okay for a couple of hours. In the village, they found the right place. And the baby, just like the angels said, because they had experienced all this, in the days following, they told everyone that they saw what had happened. Mary quietly took all this in. She remembered all that had happened and how God had guided and protected them, and she held these precious thoughts deep and dear to herself. And that's how Jesus was born. Now, I have a job for you. Do you like jobs? You'll, you'll, you'll like this job. Okay, you'll like this one because right here I have a whole basket full of candy canes. And you know what? You get one. And so does everybody. 
So in a minute, I'm going to have you hand out candy canes to everybody. But before we do that, I want to tell you just a little bit about candy cane. Because there's a lot of stories going around about how the candy cane got shaped like that and got its colors. And most of those stories are not true. They're just kind of made up. So first of all, let me ask you, what does that look like? Looks like a J. And what do you suppose J stands for? What? Stands It stands for Jesus. So when you see a candy cane, just remember that there's a little things that we can remember about Jesus with the candy cane. But usually we don't see it like that. We see it like this. That looks like a crook, a shepherd's staff. And a shepherd used that when he's out on the fields watching his sheep to take care of them. And if they were in trouble, he could use this to help them get out of trouble. You know what? That reminds us that Jesus is with us. In fact, the Bible says Jesus is a good shepherd. He's the one that takes care of us. And even if we get in trouble... Even if we get in trouble, he will still take care of us. And then, what is the color? If we, if we take the red off, what is the color? Color is white. And white is a color for purity. And Jesus was the pure son of God. He came and he lived without sin. And that means that he could be a sacrifice for our sins because sacrifice had to be made for sin. Now, what other color do you see? You see red, and there's red stripes around there. There's some little stripes. The Bible says that Jesus was beaten with a whip. And he was beaten with a whip because he loved us. And he was just about to die on the cross for our sins. And the Bible says that those, those whip marks made stripes on his back, and that helps us. Then there's another big, just a minute, there's another big red stripe. That big red stripe reminds us that Jesus did die on the cross and he shed his blood for us so that our sins could be forgiven. And then this is really solid. Bible says Jesus is a solid rock. So when we see this, we can remember Jesus is something solid in our lives. He doesn't just go away or he's not there now and gone again. He's very solid for us. And then, when you take the paper off and you get to lick on it, how does it taste? What? Good, what? Peppermint-y? It tastes good and it tastes sweet. So remember that whenever you lick on one of these and it tastes good, remember Jesus is good to us all of the time. Okay, now, take some of these, a few, get ready. I'm going to give you two or three. Go find somebody and give them to them so everybody gets one. Go give those to somebody, okay? And then if you give them all out, come back and get some more, okay? There you go. There you go. I'm sorry. You had to pick them up. Sorry. Okay. Who doesn't have one? You guys don't have any? You don't have any? I just gave some. Okay, let me give some to the kids that haven't done it yet. Okay, there you go. Let me give you a few more. 
Go give those away to somebody. Okay, give those away to somebody. There you go. Okay, there you go. And now I think we're to the point that if you don't have one yet, raise your hand. Okay, if you see somebody with their hand up, go give them one. Okay, does everybody have them? Oh, I see some. There's some hands over there. Okay. There's some clear in the back. Everybody have one? Way in the back back there. See, way in the back. Take those way to the back back there. Okay, every, there's some way, way in the back back there. Way, way, way back. Way, way back. There you go. Okay. This is for you to keep. Okay, everybody have one? Okay, kids, if you don't have one, come up here and get one for yourself. Okay, take one for yourself. Everybody has one, right? Because we want everybody to remember Jesus when they see a candy cane. You guys have one? Okay. Now, if you are five years old and younger, you should go out that door. But if you're older than that, go back and sit with mom and dad or grandma and grandpa or whoever. Thanks, Grandpa Jean. <laughs> Uh, so you've all been gifted a candy cane, right? <laughs> I got one. Christmas is about gifts. Like, I, I don't know. How many of you guys have already opened presents? I know the kids already did. Right there. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, we, get, we do like a multiple family thing, and so we actually did gifts last night on my mom's side for Christmas Eve. And uh, we do a little bit complicated. We do a gift exchange because there's too many of us. And so I had the lucky fortune of stealing an Air Zooka. Does anybody know what an Air Zooka is? It's about it's a gun about this big around with a big uh, elastic thing and a plastic bag. And you pull it out and you snap it and it shoots a jet of air about 25 or 30 feet. Um, if I'd remembered, I would have brought it this morning and shot you guys in the front row. But, but it was just like, anyway, it was awesome. We were like shooting my family from across the room and then the dog, the dog didn't like it. And, you know. But it's gifts, right? So, so where does this tradition of giving gifts come from for Christmas? Who shows up and gives gifts? St. Nicholas. Well, he was St. Nicholas in 315 A.D., but he was Santa Claus now. Yeah, see, Santa Claus has been around that long. St. Nicholas was, was a young boy, actually, and his parents were, were pretty rich, and they died of a, of a plague. And they left him 
your entire estate. And, and so what he did is he, he they were of a you know, Christian tradition, and, and he took the words of Jesus seriously. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And so literally he took all of his parents' estates and he sold everything and he just gave it away. And, and started giving it out to, to whoever needed it. And actually, at a, he was so generous and so welcoming that at a very young age, they made him Bishop of Myrna, which was in, at the time uh, over in Turkey. And they made him a bishop and, and said, this is the heart of God, to give gifts and to give stuff. In fact, the, the little, you know, the idea of the stockings. See, where that comes from is that there's a story that there was a, a poor man who lived in the, the um, St. Nicholas's town, and he had three daughters, and he was so poor he didn't have a, a dowry. Now, see, this kind of goes back, and some parts of the world it's the same way today, but the expectation was that when a woman got married, she brought a dowry or some money with her into the wedding, into the marriage. And if you didn't have a dowry, you weren't likely to get married, which meant you were going to be either sold as a slave or have to live your life as a servant. And this poor man had three daughters and no way to help them get married. And the story goes that miraculously, right about the time the oldest daughter was ready to get married, they woke up one morning and there was a small bag of gold they found in the shoes and the stockings hanging by their fireplace. And that the bishop would come by and just throw a bag of gold in the, in the window. And that this happened for all three of the daughters. And so the tradition became then that you would put a small present or in a shoe or in a stocking that was hung by the fire in a remembrance St. Nicholas. See, the gifts, the goodness of God, the taking care of people, right? Like, that's what's about. And, you know, Gene was telling his story there of the Christmas thing, but did you notice he stopped before we got to a certain part at the end of it? What got left out of that Christmas story? Are we all, like, just dazed by the cuteness? The wise men. The wise men in, in, in Gene's telling. And, and, well, turn with me if you have your Bibles to Matthew. Chapter 2. Or your phones or whatever. I'm not putting it up on the screen. Matthew chapter 2. It says this. Starting in verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. During the reign of King Herod, about that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. And he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And the answer is... Bethlehem. 
In Bethlehem and Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. And he told them, go to Bethlehem, search carefully. When you find the child, come back and tell me so I can come and worship him too. Because I have an entirely pure heart and motive. And after this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. They went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests, and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to go back to Herod because, you know, he had pure motives. They gave gifts to Jesus. Interestingly, we sing the song, right? We three kings. How many kings were there? No idea. There were three gifts. But anyway, I just thought that was kind of a fun fact. But the wise men, they give gifts. And, and you know, this is what you do, right? You give gifts to God. You give gifts because you show appreciation and, and, and worship and honor. And this is, a, this is an old tradition. I mean, any, any religion that you have, there's this sense that you're supposed to give gifts to the deity. And they're all always supposed to come, right, with pure motives and good, good intentions. Think, uh, pause for a second here. Think about the gifts that you give. Do you always give them with good intentions and pure motives? All you that have children, every gift you give is just because you want to see the delight on their face and not because you want them to be quiet, right? <laughs> when we first moved to Lebanon, um, we, we the house that we were in didn't have a fence in front of it. Some people had had helped me figure out how to get some some boards and all of that, and so I was working on building the fence gradually. And I started on the right side, and and I got that built, and I got the post set on the left side and it was ta I was just kind of doing it on the side as as I needed it done. And one day I came home from I don't know whatever I was doing for the church and my neighbor who was a contractor had finished my whole fence. And it was like wow, it's done. And it looks great. <laughs> Probably a little better than I could have done. And so I went over to his house, and I said, you know, thank you so much. It's awesome. And he's like, yeah, no problem. And I said, this looks great. I really appreciate it. That was so nice of you. And he goes, no worries. I was getting tired of looking at it unfinished. <laughs> I'm like, wait a sec. <laughs> 
You just took a beautiful gift and made it all about you being annoyed at my slowness. <laughs> you see, sometimes we give gifts with strings attached. And I think a lot of times when you look at the other other ways that that gifts are given to God, there's strings attached. How many of you have ever bargained with God? <laughs> if you only solve this problem, fix this thing, do this different, then I will. How many of you have ever caught yourself saying, but I'm so faithful to you, why are these things happening to me? How many of you have ever said, wow, things are going bad. God must be mad at me. I need to go to church. How many of you have ever felt, ooh, if I don't put my offering in, maybe that won't go well. You see, so often we give gifts to God that have strings attached. What's beautiful about the story of Jesus is God's gift to us has no strings attached. I mean, here's the incredible thing about Jesus. God says, look, I, I've told you guys what I want. I've told you what I expected. And you keep getting it mixed up. You keep thinking that there's this buy and sell thing happening. I mean, turn with me if you if you got your Bibles to Psalm 50. I'm giving you something. Psalm 50, and, and starting down in verse 8, God, God's talking to the people of Israel, and he, and he says this. He goes, I, I have no complaint about your sacrifices or the burnt offerings you constantly offer. I have no problem with the gifts you give me, but I don't need the bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens, for all the animals of the forest are mine. And I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains. Pause and think about that for a sec. Pretty incredible. I know every bird in the mountains. And all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. For all the world is mine and everything in it. Do I eat the meat of bulls or do I drink the blood of goats? Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. And keep the vows you made to the Most High. Then call on me when you are in trouble. And I will rescue you. And you will give me See, God kept saying to the Israelites, look, you can't buy me off. This, this gift, this gift of my love and grace for you, this is not something you bargain with me over. 
You don't say, oh, I was bad and so therefore God's punishing me. Or, oh, if I do the right thing, then I can get something good from God. If I only have enough faith, then God's goodness will cover me. No, you've missed it. Just make thankfulness your offering to the Lord. Do what it told you to do. That's what it's about. And so when, in, when we see in Jesus, this is God saying, this is me giving to you with no strings attached. In fact, I'm not even going to send you Jesus in a way that you're going to be in I'm going to send him to this small backwoods town and give him to these poor people that don't really have any influence or power. There's nothing important about Jesus when he's born from the world's perspective. And in fact, I'm going to so give you this gift that there's, you can even take it and, and kill it. You can destroy it. Somebody gave Jeanette and I a stuffed animal that we found. It was cute. It was, you know, a little fluffy thing. And we took it home and we gave it to Makai, our dog. Because, well, I don't really need to cuddle a stuffed animal, but Makai loves them. And Makai eventually chewed it up. And it was loads of fun. That probably wasn't the intention of the person who gave us the gift. I think sometimes that's how we've treated Jesus. God gave us this precious gift. And we've chewed it up. said that's okay. My gift of myself to you is for you to receive without strings attached. When I was growing up, we were pretty poor. My dad was in school and my mom worked nights and dad, while he was in school, was a part-time security guard trying to make ends meet. And I remember one Christmas Eve, we didn't have any oil for our furnace. It, our furnace had ran out of oil. And, and as such, um, it was really cold in our house. We had a little wood stove. And so we had Christmas Eve in our big fluffy decks in our house. And so we we woke up in the morning on Christmas Eve, and and Mom put us in our coats, and we had our mittens on, and we we were having lunch or whatever. And somebody from our church showed up. They happened to own an oil company, heating oil company. They showed up in their truck and they put oil in our tank, and tried to fire up the furnace, but because it had ran all the way down, the furnace didn't fire. 
And so they were in there, they were actually on their way to a Christmas Eve service, and so they were wearing like their suits. They took their suit coats off and rolled up their white sleeves, and the dad and the son went into our furnace and started tearing it apart and cleaning it. They spent 45 minutes working on our car. Got it started again. Wish this a Merry Christmas as well. We had a warm Christmas Eve and a warm Christmas Day. That was great. There was nothing we deserved to get that, or did deserve to get that. That was just a gift. See, that's what God gave us. Just a gift. No strings attached. I'm going to read something that I wrote two years ago. On a cold night a long time ago, a young couple sits surrounded by straw, animals, and the smell of manure. A peasantly dressed woman is screaming in pain, drenched with sweat, propped up in a less than sterile corner of a stable and physically exhausted. After enduring the extended hours of labor following the panic of contractions while in search of a destination, this moment of pain, blood, and water of a first child delivery almost seemed like a rainbow. The man with unsteady and certainly unfamiliar hands holds a still wet and gooey child, listening to its very normal, if infantile, wails. Between breathlessly checking to see if the mess from his wife is only from the birth and not from her body, and carefully seeing if the child is healthy and complete, he begins to gently wipe the child down and wrap him carefully in a linen shawl. Such a sweet relief to stare into that little and rather rather reassuringly normal face, especially given the conjured fears his imaginations had been mulling over only moments before. Perhaps for months he'd been pondering if this child of God was going to look or be anything like the jackal-headed Egyptian god Anubis who collected the souls of the dying and sent them to the grave. Or maybe like the ferocious ram-horned Babylonian god Baal that demanded worship through blood and fire with threat of destruction. Or worse, might this be some creature god-child that would spring full-grown out of the woman like the Greek legends of Athena's birth, mercilessly killing his less-than-immortal mother? No, it wasn't like that at all. Rather than being like the legend gods of old with their stories of powerful births and destructive interactions with the world, this seemed a very normal-looking little boy, born in a very simple way to a decidedly unremarkable couple in a mostly forgettable town. 
in a basically insignificant corner of the world. Whatever had fired their imaginations when they were told they were giving birth to the Son of God, the normal reality of this baby must have been both relieving and perplexing. Yet this birth was far from normal. For this was the coming of God himself to earth. This was the prophesied Emmanuel, God with us. His simple name, meaning Yahweh saves, was given by so many other parents in the hope that someday he might actually be there. The scriptures, the stories, the promises, the answers to all their questions was finally here, finally being fulfilled, and finally being given that night. God was with us. And he was declaring peace on earth and goodwill to men, even as he trusted himself as a wailing, messy child into the arms of an inexperienced young However, that night, as Mary gazed into the face of her creator, and Joseph held the hand of his God, the normalness of it all might have even seemed to be drowning out the miraculous. The unremarkableness of the situation probably left them reassured that they hadn't given birth to a monster. But who could fault them for also wondering if this child really could be the Savior? Was this really the hope of humanity? The fulfillment of 1,200 years of prophecy and the incarnate Son of God? Really? The answer to those questions is yes, as his life and death and life again would bear out. But on that night, it might have all seemed a little bit We have come to see, though, that that's God's way. This child, this Jesus, lying in those arms, showed us that the power comes not from strength, but frailty. That hope comes not from possibility, but through faith. And that peace comes not through force and fear, but through trust. For Jesus didn't come into the world demanding the fearful respect of the world's kings. He offered the simple power of his presence to the normal and unremarkable. It was a remarkable, remarkable gift of peace to the world God offered that night as he lay bound in linen against his mother's chest. A little normal child that was anything but. He was to be a very different God than anyone expected. And to grasp that, to grab a hold of the beauty of a God that is so much less and so much more than we could create is the beginning of welcoming, welcoming his love. For he comes simply, but no less miraculously, to each of us and to all of us just as he did to Mary and Joseph on that cold night long ago, offering peace to himself. This is the God of Christmas.
so as we come to communion together, this is what Christmas is about. It's a gift without strings attached. Where God says, I give myself to you. And our response should be one of thankfulness and giving ourselves back. Not to bargain. love, hope, peace, joy, Jesus. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you on this Christmas day for the amazing, miraculous gift you are. For how you have blessed us with your presence. No strings attached. And God, may in that spirit, we give our gifts to you. The gift of ourselves, the gift of our lives. How we live, how we act, how we work in this community. Thank you for the gift of your son.